Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Blog Talk Radio. Archangels, Ghosts, and Bigfoot, oh my, it's just another night for Supernatural Girls. Real stories, real answers to life's biggest supernatural mysteries. And now, for another exciting interview with paranormal experts from this world and others, here's your host, paranormal researcher Patricia Baker, on the one, the only, Supernatural Girls. Welcome, everyone, to another exciting episode of Supernatural Girls Radio. I'm your host, Patricia Baker, and I'm here with my co-host, PK, Patricia Kirkman. How are you doing tonight? I'm getting ready to plan on thawing out for tomorrow because it's going to rain, and I think I'll just put my feet up and grab my umbrella and act like it's the beach time. Okay. Everybody should be happy with <laughs> beach time coming. <laughs> We are all ready for beach time. Weather is Ah, crazy. I know. I remember Dr. J, who wrote the book about Bigfoot. He Mm -hmm. said it is Snowmageddon in Oregon, and he's sick of it. He said whoever pissed off that character in Frozen better go apologize to her because everything Uh, is frozen out there. It's he sent pictures. It's horrible. And here we are in New England. We just got a few inches of snow, but nothing mm-hmm. like what they have. They can keep well, it. They can keep it. We don't want it. When Connie got home yesterday, they got two feet of snow at her house in Washington State. Ah, my she's in that northwest corner. Oh, my God. Because, yeah, it's crazy. Very unusual. It, it is, it is insane. It is very unusual. Mm-hmm. Yes. I know, I know. It's, well, we're all ready for warm weather, I think. Yeah. <laughs> or Mother Nature. One or the other. Yeah. Maybe both. We so may tell be us what's going it, on with the numbers. Well, everything's a little crazy right now. We know that everything going on is all about communications of all sorts but for the year. Lots of changes going on, but it's a nine-day. Nothing is going as planned. A lot of crazy stuff in the news. Everything from uh, a fellow jumped into a car here and takes off, and there's a child in the back seat and didn't know it, but he dropped it off at a, another place and left the child in it, which was nice of him. I mean, everybody's doing crazy things. We're not used to all these chaotic aspects, but it's getting us ready to wrap up some old stuff we really have to start taking a look at what's coming because there's so many changes that are going to happen that we're really not even anticipating. We're just kind of thinking we're flowing with it, but it's going to be information coming before the month is over of some sort going to be user-friendly. 
So it's just kind of hang on huh. to pay attention to the details. And I don't know why, but I'm getting keep some cash on hand just in case. Does that make sense? And I don't know why I've gotten no. That. But so, tell some cash what, is, on what hand. do you mean? Tell us more about that. Keep what on hand? Well, uh, user user friendly cash, okay? Because if things start to get uh, gnarly with the governmental aspect of things. It's going to be kind of hard with, between the charging and et cetera. Having cash on hand would be very beneficial. I think all of us should have a little, shall we say, a little kitty put aside just in case. Everybody, a lot of people have been counting on their income tax to do certain things with. The money is not going to come back like they thought it would. They expected to get a return, say, in a week or two, whatever the case may be. None of that's going to happen. Everything's going to be delayed by weeks. And some people, that extra cash is going to make a difference of how they eat or what they get the necessities they're going to need. And it's sad to have to wow. say that, but okay. that's what, what I'm getting. So yeah, well, you know careful. what? People people should be careful. And But, yeah, right. Things are starting to wrap up. Look at that stupid waste-of-time Mueller investigation. I mean, they're yeah. they're now saying this is the biggest fraud perpetrated on all of us, and uh-huh. It's there to say found nothing, which is no. what we knew. But, you know, you also had said that, and I would said that. It's just stupid, and it's vindictive, and it had nothing, no basis in reality. And now it's wrap, It's going to wrap up. And now they're saying they may not mm-hmm. even issue a report. And I was listening to Howie Carr, my favorite radio personality today here in the Northeast, and he was saying, I want a report even if it's a blank page. We deserve a report. Well, I mean, he's one of the best radio hosts around them. for conservative news. Look at how much news. money was spent on doing these things. And it, it's vindictiveness. I know. It, it's for God's why don't we start out by shortening the length of time that these people stay in office? They're around too long and they're too busy well, to that, in their pockets. That's right. the bottom line. No, they're, they're long in the tooth and they just they get paid off. And they don't do what the people want. And so here we are today. So it's interesting sure. to see that the truth is coming out yet again. You see that stupid green plan mm-hmm. those idiots put forward. And it's just ridiculous. Um, you know, people have to smarten up. They There's a lot of people that have to kind of walk away from some of the things that they thought they should believe in and start getting realistic. So it's very interesting times. And here we are in the middle of it. But we always have interesting stuff going on, always on our show. And we're lucky enough to be able to escape into the paranormal, you know. that's Mm -hmm. (laughs) We can make our escape right into that other world, and that's where we like to be. So, anyways, we we have some... (laughs) It's the best place, I'm telling you. Um, You know what? We have some great stories on our Facebook page. We have a UFO crash. Irwin Mountain, and that is in North Wales. Check it out. That's on our page. And we also have some very spooky myths and legends that are taking place and have been taking place in East Texas. So take a look at those stories. There's some really cool pictures of the mysterious lights in East Texas on this particular Mm -hmm. road. Go look at it. It's great. We've been posting videos all week long. For everybody to take a look at, make sure you like us, follow us, and keep up with us on Twitter. Thank you, Haley. 
Haley is our new addition to the show. She is doing our live tweets during the show, helping out with a newsletter. And make sure you subscribe to the newsletter. Haley's putting it out every week. It's called The Fringe Files. And you can sign up on our website, SupernaturalGirlsWithAZ.com. You can also get a hold of Patricia Kirkman there and get your own numerology reading. You can also go to PatriciaKirkman.com for that. And if you want dream analysis, soul realignment, that you can come to me for. And I am to be found at SupernaturalGirls.com. Send me an email. Be happy to set something up for you or at the very least answer your questions. We're always here to help our audience with anything they're right. interested in. That's our job. Well, that's what we, that's what we do. If they're on Facebook, go to my Facebook page because every day I put out what the day is about. Okay? It's just a few little lines, but it tells you exactly what's going to come down universally. And I've done that every morning for a number of years. So that's where you can get the rest of the story. Now, that is a good idea. And then you're ready to start your day. You know what's coming energy-wise. And that's a very important Mm -hmm. thing in these times. But we... We've got some terrific guests tonight. We have three guests on yes, our show tonight. And, oh, my God, I know this is going to be exciting. We've had these folks on before. They are favorite, favorite ghost hunters. And their names are Dan Baldwin, Rhonda Hull, and Dwight Hull. And they're with us. And they're going to, we're going to hear from them in a minute. But I just want to tell you a little bit about what we're talking about, spirits mm-hmm. of the Old Southwest more more adventures into the paranormal. We're going to be hearing about the legends, the lies, the adventures of the Old Southwest, and that's as told to our guests by the spirits themselves. We're going to hear about the most haunted house in Tombstone, the Killing Field, the Clanton Ranch, and so much more. And we're here also to take your questions if you want to call in. The number is 563-999-3539. Again, that's 563 563- Nine 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 three five three nine. Now Dwight and Rhonda Hall, along with Dan Baldwin, specialize in communicating with those who have crossed over. They are combining their psychic skills and they search out history and unresolved deaths to find the truth. Now Dwight has more than thirty years as a paranormal researcher and animal communicator, and Rhonda. She is a world-renowned psychic medium and has communicated with the dead for most of her life. Dan is a pendulum dowser who locates missing persons and is considered an expert in the field. Dan is also the author of more than 60 books. So, guys, welcome to the show. Glad to be here. Good to be here. Good to be here as well. Well, we're very happy to have you. I love having you. Really interesting. We love having a fabulous. (laughs) Yes. We loved your book, Conversations with Spirits of the Southwest. Great book. And it gives such an enlightened perspective to all Mm -hmm. of what happened back in the Wild West. It was the Wild West, was it not? It was, uh, you know, it was, you know, so lawless and just kind of carefree and, you know, you kind of did what you want and there was no repercussions. So 
you know, when you have that happening and, you know, all the deaths and everything, it, it just stirs up all that energy. And, you know, it, it's still prevalent today. I mean, we, uh, we, we face it every place we go down here. Now, it's there's amazing. some really interesting stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, some of this stuff has been Hollywoodized. So we really don't know the truth about what happened, like the gunfight at the OK Corral and, and some of those things. You know, you can please talk to us about any and all of these things. We'd like to know, well, what really did happen? What happened at the gunfight at the OK Corral? Who are the good guys and who are the bad guys? Maybe it's not the way we think about this. Well, um, you know, as far as the gunfight goes, I, I can tell you that um, we have found out through investigation and talking to different spirits that, uh, you know, the, the Clintons and McLowrys, okay, they weren't, uh, they, they weren't choir boys by any stretch, but, you know, they weren't near as bad as what Hollywood makes them out. Likewise, you know, the Earps and Doc Holliday weren't quite the, uh, you know, stainless steel, shiny uh, lawman that Hollywood makes them out there, you know, fine line between, you know, wearing a badge and wearing a noose back then. And, uh, <laughs> you know, they, they, they crossed sure. it, you know, se- several times, you know, so uh, we have found that, you know, the Clantons were, were pretty nice folk. Uh, we've talked to, you know, several of them. We've talked to uh, uh Ike Clanton, I think, and we've definitely talked to uh, the father, old man Clanton, um, and he's been welcoming every time we've gone out there to talk to him. Um, And, yeah, Hollywood has definitely kind of, you know, tainted things a little bit, but uh, that's why we're here, I guess. We're trying to figure it out, and we we go right to the source. And what about Doc Holliday? Because he's been – He's been portrayed as the ultimate good guy. What's the story about him? Well, you know, I, you know, he was friends with the Earps, um, which is fine. Um, I don't think he was, you know, as good guy as uh, what Hollywood made him out to be. I mean, he he came out here to the West uh, to try to clear up his tuberculosis, and of course, that didn't work out too well for him. Um, he kind of pushed the boundaries a lot. Um, cause he didn't want to die of tuberculosis. He wanted to die in a blaze of glory, so to speak. So I think that's one of the reasons he hooked up with, uh, you know, Wyatt Earp and the, and the rest of the Earps figuring, you know, these guys are, you know, kind of stir up trouble everywhere they go, so to speak. So, you know, the best place to uh, meet my end might be with these guys. So I think that might be you know, a partial reason why he, uh, hooked up with them but again you know not not as much of a good guy as what hollywood makes out yeah excuse me that's part of the problem yeah, with, exactly. with hollywood everything is so simple uh nobody was <laughs> yeah. totally good nobody was totally bad a lot of times whether you were quote good or bad depending on depended on where you were at the time uh one of the tragedies i think of the uh the gunfight at the okay corral was the two mcclowry's and i think that was a you know they're portrayed as bad guys in the movies but in reality, they just showed up, and they were at the wrong place at the wrong time. For heaven's sakes. Oh. Well, yeah, yeah, and when, the, when the fighting start, you know, you stick with your buddies, and they paid the ultimate price for it. You know, oh, all they wanted to do at that time now, was get also, out of town. Wow, not the way to go. 
So uh-huh. now you've also had a, a constant communication with Wyatt Earp's wife, and she was a rather tragic mm-hmm. character in all of this. Still hangs around. Tell us about her. Well, we have. Um, we've talked to Maddie several times, um, both, well, at her grave site um, in Pinal City, old Pinal City. And uh, she comes to visit Dwight and I quite often um, by invitation. Um, she is, you know, a tragic character of the Old West, um, although mm-hmm. I feel a rather a sisterly kinship, if you will, with her. Um, she had her share of problems. Um, but as we learned through talking to her, she was a very gifted woman, uh, gifted as in, you know, pendulum dowser, psychic, um, used it to help other people. So we found out more information about her, and uh, Dwight and I invited her to come and visit us as often as she likes to sort of create new memories down in this area from the other side because Mm -hmm. this area, you know, holds nothing but bad memories with her time with Wyatt. So I'd imagine. Bless her heart. She's she like really my. What happened? A, tell, tell our audience what what occurred with Maddie because I know a lot of people don't know what happened to her and why. So um, towards the end of their stay in Tombstone, Wyatt met Josephine um, Marcus, Marcus <laughs> and uh, he hooked up with her. He basically left Maddie high and dry, and after um, Morgan was killed. Um, Maddie went with the rest of the herbs to California. Uh, and then at some time after that, she moved up to what is now Superior, mm-hmm. um, Arizona. And she lived maybe a few years, um, but not very long after that. And she died of a laudanum overdose. There was a couple of other things mixed in there, but laudanum was the main, uh, that was a drug that they took of, that? at the time for... Uh huh. You want to go elaborate, honey? Yeah, it's basically a real high strength cocaine, basically, or uh, you know, morphine, opium. opium. Yeah. Um, oh, uh-huh. more kin oh to, my. Yeah, more akin to opium, and it was a liquid, and it was extremely concentrated back then. So, literally, a drop or two would be more than enough to take care of it. So, it would be very easy to overdose on that. Well, she so Maddie had some health rich. issues, so she was and, in a she was in constant pain. Uh, at the end of her life yeah but she was quite a drinker though wasn't she throughout her life she was she was a drinker well he never so was this an accidental suicide no it was not it was uh, intentional it was on purpose she said it was intentional okay because sometimes you don't know when people start mixing their cocktails if it is intentional or not but she told you it was well, I mean, the coroner's report said it was um, the the I don't know if he was a doctor, but the guy who went and got her laudanum and her drink um, shortly mm-hmm. before she died. You know, he testified that she had taken both. Um, she was, you know, for all intents and purposes, she didn't want to go on. And she and she well, did relay that to us during our conversation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, did it. Yeah, it sounds like her that, that that he never married her. That Wyatt never he, married he, her. He didn't. He didn't legally marry Maddie, although they were together over 15 years. Uh, mm-hmm. He never legally, as far as anybody knows, married Josephine Marcus either. Not on. There's no paper record. I mean, there may oh. have been, but there is. 
But, you know, common law for both of them. Yeah, yeah just a traveling man, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Good. But, you know, uh, Wyatt, Wyatt and Maddie ran brothels together in Kansas and all over the, the West, Midwest. So yes. they were together for a long time. That's something. And now, is having a business like that in more than one location, I would think it would be highly lucrative. Did they make a lot of money? They did, and then they spent it. You know, they'd make it and they'd spend it. And they changed, you know, uh-huh. she would sort of oh. use uh, alternative names. And um, But, yeah, they they made their fortune, and then they'd spend it going somewhere else. Yeah, Wyatt Earp was one of those guys that was always reaching for the brass ring and, and never quite mm-hmm. making it. Did they have uh-huh. any children? Okay. Did they have any children, uh, Wyatt? They did not. He had one child with his first wife, um, who died before he ever got. She died in childbirth. The the oh, child okay. and the wife. So. Uh huh. Oh. Yeah, because I didn't remember ever. No, no heirs. Anything about that? Well. Right. Amazing. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's so many fascinating stories that you've encountered. And, you know, as I was reading the book, I was thinking, gee, I don't know if human nature has changed all that much over the years. Maybe the rules have changed, but human nature, I mean, like you talk about in the beginning of the book, that man who was upset that his girlfriend had replaced him and ran after her with a gun. And shot her and then shot himself. I mean, mm-hmm. how many times do we can you know, see that today? But there it was even back then. People were acting crazy. Nothing's yeah. changed. Just a yeah, that, exactly. That, exactly. You know, times have changed, but people remain the same. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Kind of sad. Well, in reading <laughs> the book, I found it interesting. Some of the places that my husband had taken me to, when he was alive, it, from the, when I first came out here, and you've talked about so many of the different places here in the book, and I some of the places I'd forgotten about, like Cochise's stronghold and things like that. So it was very interesting for me to go through this and remember certain places that I had already heard about but had forgotten. Because hey, I'm an Easterner. What could you expect, right? <laughs> <laughs> Lots to learn out here. That's, that's sure. right. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Well, we have somebody waiting with a question. Uh, it looks like it's 727 area code. I'm going to get them live on the air and see. Hi, this is Supernatural Girls. What's your question? Hi, 727-805. Yes, what's your question for our guest tonight? Hi, I just been, um, I wanted to see... Um, I, w- I lived in Tucson for a while, and now I'm living in Florida. So my question was, um, I wanted to see um, how my work was going to progress here. I just recently started a new meditation class, and um, I wanted to see um, if any of you guys picked up anything around that. So, Rhonda, did you want to take that one? <laughs> My birthday is six eleven, nineteen forty nine. No, um, you're we're not doing readings so this evening. It's, your it's question is <laughs> right. Um, 
Again, like PK said at the beginning, I think this is going to be a year of a lot of change. Um, I think for me personally, I think the change is going to be good, but that doesn't mean that there's not going to be struggle getting to it. Mm -hmm. um, I think that your mother is going to play a key role in this. Um, can I ask if your mom is alive? My mother is, is on the other side. Yes, she is always communicating with me. That's <clears throat> what I was to picking up. She's helping me. Actually, I'm uh, supposed to be writing a hearing impaired book. Uh, I am hearing impaired, and my mom was as well. I'm learning sign okay. language at the time, and uh, I'm trying to uh, fit that into the other things that I'm teaching right now. But I think well, that's what she might be trying to say. I think that you need to do more, do more meditation because your mother is going to help you with this. Okay. You just, you just need to listen. Okay. And by listen, I mean, you know, listen. Really listen to whatever pops into your head when you're meditating and write it down because that's mom. Does okay. that make sense? How about you, PK? Can you give her any more insight with her uh, birth date? What, what was the birth, birth date again? My birthday or my mom's? Yours. Yours. My birthday is... 6-11-1949. Well, you're in a two-year, so you're ultra-sensitive. Most of the work that you will do right now, if it's done with a partner or with someone else, I think you'll find it will move much smoother and more quickly. I'm sorry. I didn't get that clearly because of my hearing aid. Okay. If you work with a partner, you will find that your work will go more quickly and you will have more opportunities if you have someone else working with you. Look okay, for next you mean year in the class, the class or the book? Both. Look for next year for something to come from it. It's going to be about six to eight months before you really feel that you've got a grip on it, and it'll be about four months after that before it opens up for you. Okay. So you're talking almost a year, about a year. Things will open, and then you'll feel better about what you're doing. Okay, right. Well, it's a new. It's just beginning, so that's fine. Okay, mm -hmm. that sounds great. I'm open to well, uh, well, to wait it out and do the best I can. Well, good luck to you. Well, good luck, and yes, thank you so much for your call and for your question. Thank you so much for your input. I okay. So we're going to go back in time again. And talk to you guys about some of the other things that you found on your journeys. Now, I remember last time you guys were on the show, and I asked you about Geronimo. Did you get a chance to talk to Geronimo yet? You know, Rhonda and I went back up there um, not too long after we spoke. And, you know, we tried to get in contact with him, and, you know... He was just, I think he was playing games with us. We never really mm -hmm. could get a, a good, strong, you know, sense that he was there. It would be, and kind of like what you said last time, he would kind of pop in and pop out and it pop in and pop traveler. out. Yeah. Yes. He, he would just never really give us, I think he was kind of playing and toying with us in a way. So unfortunately that time, no, we, we weren't able to actually have a, a good sit down or, you know, you know, lack of a better term, a powwow with him. Um, 
But, you know, we're going to go back up there again hopefully soon after all this, you know, nonsense with snow and rain stops and <laughs> yeah. uh, see, if, see if we can't uh, see if we can sit down and, uh, you know, have a chat with them. But, yeah, that is definitely high on our list to do. Oh, yeah. It's at the top of the oh, list. Oh, that's good. Oh, good. He's a fascinating, fascinating character in time. And oh, he is. You know, the, just the way you described him, being in and out, I think you really had his energy. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. I think you had him. You had the right guy. But I do yeah, think that he's he a bit on the wanna... wily side. <laughs> yes, he was a little bit yeah, I think he was testing you. <laughs> yeah, he was Probably. testing you. Like, let's see how much they really want to talk to me. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I find him so fascinating because of his ability to move through portals. It was legendary that he would go through a portal and end up, you know, 50 miles away in a flash of, a, of an eye. And, and nobody could understand how he did it. But there are a lot of portals out there in the Southwest. Yeah. Have you encountered any? Who there are. There. Dwight? Yeah. You can take that, Dan. <laughs> Let Dwight take that one. He tells it better. <laughs> okay. Go well, for it. Yeah, there, yeah there, there are a lot of portals out oh, yeah. there. We, uh, we ran into one, literally. Um, and I think we talked about it a little bit the last time we were on the show, but... Uh, out in a little mining town called Sasco, uh, just north of Tucson there, um, we had kind of a, you know, I guess the, the best thing to say would be like a time slip, so to speak. Um, you know, Rhonda and I were together. We, you know, kind of got separated from Dan because he wanted to go up and uh, look on top of this one hill for some petroglyphs before we made the trip up there. And, um you know, try to make a very long story short, we went looking for him, he went looking for us, and, you know, come to find out that, you know, we had passed him at least twice, and by passing him, I mean within two or three feet of each other, and we never saw each other, we never heard each other, nothing. Um, And then all of a sudden, the, the time, the time slip kind of stopped, and you know, Dan was kind of like right there on the road in front of me. You know, Rhonda had already gone back to the car looking for Dan and could try to rest up. Um, I continued to look a little bit, and then all of a sudden, boom, there was Dan on the road coming towards me. And I was like, where have you been? He said, well, I've been right here and then at the truck. I said, well, Rhonda's at the car. He said, well, no, she's not. I just came from there. I said, trust me, she's there. So we walked down there, and it's oh, only God. about maybe 50 yards. And, you know, we walked down there. And, you know, there's, there's Rhonda and she looked up and said, where are you guys been? We're like, uh, we're just, I just saw him. We just walked back. She said, well, you know, I just got back. I just got back to the car and took a drink of water. I said, well, you know, (laughs) something happened here. And yeah, that was, uh, that was our first, um, I guess, true experience into some kind of a portal or a time slip or anything like that. And it, it was, it was quite a, quite an experience and we're going to hopefully try to go back to that same spot sometime here soon and you know at least try to record to see if we can either find where the where the portal is or you know see if we experience anything like that again because that was that was truly a uh a head scratcher for us yeah they were uh they were shouting yeah, my well, name they... out loud loudly and at the same time they were shouting for me we're talking about a distance of less than 100 yards. I was at my truck for about 15 minutes honking my truck horn three times about every minute, and they never heard me. I never heard them. 
I never heard it. Wow. You know what? You guys better start wearing GPS locators because <laughs> this is the kind of stuff. That's a thought. That, you know uh-huh. what I mean? It's like, yeah, because I'm thinking about the missing 411 material. And I know, Dan, you've worked with finding missing people. But, it, you know, it is a bit uh, troublesome because these people hike out in the wilderness. And that you're certainly out in the middle of nowhere when you do these things. And as they can end up walking through a portal and they can't be found. So it's like a shift in the reality. It takes you somewhere else, but close enough, but far enough away that you can't be found. So one of the things that David Polites recommends is that you wear a locator so that something happens that at least people can try to hone in on that, uh, that beacon. I, I do recommend it. We don't want to lose any of you to another dimension. Thank you very much. We're happy <laughs> to have you here with us. That is for sure. So, uh, now, tell us about what is this killing field? What is that? Dwight, you want to take that? Who yeah, I, I can. <laughs> uh, yeah, the the killing field. That's that's down here, uh, close to where we're at. It's in Hereford, uh, almost by mm-hmm. Palominas. And back in the '80s, um, a religious and lack of a better term, cult, uh, moved into that area. Um, and this group of people, they moved in from Chicago and it was a, as a big, you know, kind of almost like a Jim Jones kind of a thing. Um, they started causing a lot of problems in Sierra Vista and the surrounding communities. And, uh, it was, it was just got pretty ugly to the point where the police actually went to the neighborhood with, um, arrest warrants and such. And, you know, everybody came out of their houses with sticks and bats and hammers hammers and everything else trying to attack the police. The police were trying to, trying to do their job at first. And then, uh, you know, somebody got hurt and then, you know, the gunshots rang out and, you know, several people were shot and killed. It was just, and it was all in this one field there. And it's just, you know, if there's any place that I have ever been around the world, and I mean this literally because I've been around the world to every place that, you know, you can think of pretty much, that is the one place where when I step into that field, I instantly feel like the hate and the ugliness. And, you know, Ron and I both got sick to our stomachs. I mean, it was just that strong. Um, so yeah, it's called the killing fields because, you know, some people were killed there. Um, we decided, uh, you know, like I say, Ron and I had been there before, but we wanted to, you know, do this for the book. So we got together with Dan and said, Hey, let's, let's head down there. And when we got there, uh, we parked on the street and, um, you know, I'll be honest with you. And if you read the, the that chapter in the book, you'll see that I am conspicuously absent from the dialogue. And that's because I stayed mm-hmm. with the truck on the street because I knew as soon as I stepped into that field what would happen. But Rhonda, you know, kind of endured it, and Dan kind of endured it, and they went into the field. I kind of acted as an overwatch kind of a thing where, you know, I would wait and there in case anything happened to either one of them, I can go in and get them. Or, you know, I figured if all three of us are sick, mm-hmm. we're not going to do each other any good. So so they went in and, and they did the uh, the uh, – investigation and eventually I think helped cross somebody over actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, yeah, the, the killing field is just, it's just one of the more um, 
lack of a better term, ugly places uh, down here. It's just still to this day, it just holds on to that energy, that that bitter, ugly energy, and it's uh, it's a force to be reckoned with when you go into it. So yeah, the the chapter in the book is uh, a great chapter. It tells mm-hmm. a lot of the history on it, and you know some of the feelings that uh, they had going into it. Yeah, let me drop in with I, my two cents on this. Uh, they took me there, and I was kind of expecting, you know, maybe to be a little bit sick. And, you know, you can set yourself up so that you feel something you, you expect to feel, but this was real. Mm-hmm. Like I, st- I was on the pavement and stepped over onto the killing field and got instantly sick in my stomach. And as an experiment, I jumped mm-hmm. back on the pavement and wow. I felt okay. Stepped in the field, got sick, back on the pavement, okay. Back in the field, got sick in my stomach again. Oh, wow. So much oh my God! That's incredible. Good grief! And yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that's why right I stayed the on land. the street. <laughs> <laughs> well, well yeah. that <laughs> that you know, the neighborhood. Go ahead. They could think. I was going to say, was there ever any reason that was made known why these people were so hateful and argumentative with everybody and anybody? Well, they were from the inner city of Chicago, so it was quite yep. a different lifestyle change out here. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. I think it was during a time that it was there was still a lot of um, tensions. tensions, you know, um, and even to this day, um, you know, those people all went back to Chicago. Um, but and actually, the the preacher lady, the head lady, she was a follower of a man called A. A. Allen, who was a missionary um, preacher. Uh, Swindler, whatever he was, uh, kind of a kind of a, a traveling man. strange character. Yes, um, but he had a church right across the the highway from where they were, and they originally wanted to go move into the the same building, but they couldn't. But to this day, the neighborhood um, watches over that field. So that's another reason Dwight stayed at the truck because. Neighbors will come out and and stare at you, come up to you, ask you what you're doing. They're very protective over that area. So, my goodness, hmm. yeah, it's it's a little crazy. Yeah, it sounds like a good place to stay away from. God, <laughs> so, well, so Herford yes. isn't oh. very big. I mean, how much? How many is uh, people live in the Herford area? I don't remember seeing very many there. Uh, it's growing, but there's probably, you know, I don't know, 700 to 1,000, maybe 1,500 people in that area. Because my stepson moved there, oh, maybe 20 years ago, 15 years ago. And uh, he spent a lot of time in Tombstone. They they do uh, Jeep tours and things like that. So he's uh, out yeah. and about in the area. So uh, I get to hear some stories every once in a while, but it's, incredible it just amazes me what goes on or what has gone on reading your book has been so interesting because there's so many things i didn't even know were in this area i've been here 25 years but that doesn't mean anything unless you get involved with it that's true incredible good great story what was it yes it's a great book and again the name of the book is called conversations with spirits of the southwest more adventures into the paranormal now was there anything that surprised you and in during any of your investigations because i mean it sounds like you're you're used to hearing some of these stories but is there anything that really took you by surprise 
Oh, yeah, well, yeah for me, uh, hearing my name called out. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah, we were who at, did that? Uh, yeah, we were down at Fort Rucker, and uh, I was kind of popping off and said, uh, we were in one of the rooms, and I said, uh, I think maybe the spirits are here, or all the, all the spirits are here. And we recorded a voice that said, not yet, Dan. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> That's a bit they chilling were for you, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> it's like they knew yeah, we you all... were coming too. Yeah, that was a highlight for me. Well, I guess so. <laughs> yeah, definitely information that from the other be. side. That would very be. interesting. You use your pendulum very much with throughout with what you do. Uh, how do you know when is the appropriate time, shall we say, or is there a specific thing or time? that you use the pendulum or is it a certain feeling that you get that you decide to use it? No, you just um, use it whenever whenever the mood strikes. I, from what I gather from the book, you're, you're quite a pro at uh, the pendulum aspect of it. Yeah, um, you know, during the day I do a lot of readings, but uh, I don't have a specific time set out for anything mm-hmm. like that. It's just, uh, you know, again, whenever the mood strikes... And whenever we're out in the in the desert or in a in a field or in a ghost town or something, you just mm-hmm. that's when you do it. Do you ask specific questions while you're there? Or what draws you to the area? Say, if, if you're in an area, what you feel? Do you ask questions about what you feel, or do you use a, let the pendulum tell you what to look for? Oh no, you uh, you ask very specific questions. You have to ask yes mm-hmm. or no questions. Mm-hmm. Because the pendulum can only swing, you know, left or right. So right would be yes, left would be no. And Dwight and Rhonda kind of lead uh, lead off, and kind of set the direction because they get a very good feeling for for where we need to go. And then I can, once we know that, I can start asking very specific questions. Oh, that's great! Well, definitely a perfect team. Yes, you all have such great. Uh, great abilities, and it, it is you complement each other so well, and that really comes across mm-hmm. in the book that you all yes, help each other to get to the truth with these these folks. Yeah. Well, we're going to take a very short commercial break, and we're going to come back. And I have a very big question for all of you, so we will be back in just a few moments. And everybody, stay tuned. You are listening to Supernatural Girls Radio. Are you ready for a new experience of freedom and powerful connection? Would you like a positive, effortless change in your life? Then come to CosmicFusion.com, where we offer the most advanced energy clearing and expansion techniques in the world with a quantum vortex energy to activate your divine blueprint and life's purpose. When your soul leads the way with cosmic fusion and quantum vortex energy, you can break clear of past difficulties and blocks with the power of the source. With Cosmic Fusion, the source energy does the work for you. It's easy and effortless. Listen to our free meditation right from our Cosmic Fusion website, the Cosmic Code Meditation. Sign up for one of our interactive webinars today. Come to Cosmic Fusion, www.kosmicfusion.com to experience an effortless awakening and transformation. Are you ready for an upgrade? Are you ready for a new experience, 
of living in the fifth dimensional magic and powerful connection? Then visit CosmicFusion.com today. CosmicFusion.com Astridian is a family of cosmetic products with 98% pure ionized minerals. We combine our science with a blend of essential oils to nourish and take care of your skin's health. How does it work? All Astridian products contain the proprietary redox technology, having the capability of simulating an ionic zinc-copper superoxide dismutase effect. This free radical scavenger currently in your body has been diminished by toxins and the daily stresses of life. It is a perfectly balanced mineral complex that all $200 an hour dermatologists, their professors, and ancient history have proven. Redox technology is a process of reducing the skin's oxidation by transferring electrons from a radical state to a stress-free normal condition. Oxidative stress is a form of cellular aging, and as science has proven, a precursor to disease. The free radical theory of aging states that organisms age because cells accumulate free radical damage over time. Damaged cells are not beautiful, but healthy cells are. The Astridium family is presented in four different uses that cover unique benefits to your body. They are the Essential Anti-Aging Series, the Multivitamin Series, Sports Series, and Professional Series. Regain your youth with the power of Astridium. Visit www.astridium.com and inquire. Use the code SUPERNATURAL and receive a 10% discount on your first purchase. Astridium, the beauty of being healthy. Your property tax bill. Have you seen it lately? It's frightening. Your property taxes are going up while your home value is going down. It's time to fight back and win. For the real truth about the property tax system, get Attorney Pat Quintilian's book, Are You Getting Screwed on Your Property Taxes? How to Find Out and How to Fix It. Attorney Quintilian answers all your questions and gives you the facts you need to fight a property tax bill that is spiraling out of control. You'll also read about what happens to property owners who don't check their property records, only to find out too late they're taxed on square footage, fixtures, and even buildings that they don't own. Is this happening to you? Learn your rights. Buy Attorney Pat Quintilian's book today. Are you getting screwed on your property taxes? How to find out and how to fix it. Available on Amazon.com. Welcome back, everyone, to Supernatural Girls Radio. I'm your host, Patricia Baker, here with my co-host, PK, and our terrific guests tonight, Dwight and Rhonda Hall and Dan Baldwin. We are talking about spirits of the old Southwest, the true stories. What really happened back then? So I have a question for all of you, and you can each of you can answer, one of you can answer, but here's my question. You know, today we have, a, I'd like to think, anyways, more understanding about death, about passing over, spirituality, consciousness. So most of us have an understanding of what's likely to happen when we die. In the Old Southwest, things were quite different in terms of the level of consciousness. Do you think the level of consciousness back then was more likely to keep them tied to the land or the houses or the ranches that they were associated with? Well, um, that's a really good question. Um, I guess a short answer would be, yeah, I I think it does. Um, But I also think that you know, back then in the Old West, 
um, and I know even today, I mean, we have our house, we consider it ours, but back then that's, I mean, literally that's all they had. They came out here just to do that or just to get rich or just to, so they had a, you know, a very visceral, emotional tie, a very strong tie to wherever they were at, their home, their mind, their their family, whatever. So when we walk into some of these uh, ghost towns or mining areas, um, you know, we're a lot of times, and especially Rhonda, she, she's very quick to pick up on, okay, there's there's one person, oh, there's three people. You know, it's like they, they are right there, not really defending their area, but, you know, letting us know that they're there. Um, and I think it's because they do have such a very strong, deep bond with, you know, their property, their land, their house, whatever. Um, so, yeah, I think it kind of keeps them um, around here because they enjoyed it so much. They loved it so much. So they want to stay here. Um, I think once we pass over, you know, no matter what our level of consciousness is about the subject, when we're alive, I think when we pass over, we kind of get a, a very quick education, so to speak. Um, and we have found that we have found that there's, you know, several options actually, you know, through talking to different spirits, you know, once you pass over, there's several options that you can do or not do or whatever. So, and, and we're still trying to get to the bottom of all those. We're still trying to learn those and, and ask the right questions to find out more. But, um, yeah, boy, to answer your question, yeah, I, I think to some degree, yes, it was a, a level of understanding or consciousness about death that, that does help to keep them here. Um, but I also think it was, you know, much more of a, a stronger emotional, you know, visceral bond to the area. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. It really does, because there's no lack of spirits. I mean, when you guys go on your your journey, you don't have any trouble finding them. They are <laughs> everywhere, it seems, in the Southwest. They are. They are. Uh, you know, there's a lot of times where we'll go out, you know, hoping to speak to somebody that we know was in the area or at a specific location, and before we ever get there, we're distracted by somebody else who's like, hey, look at me. I want to talk to you. Let's go over here. <laughs> so they are literally everywhere. Yeah, exactly. And now also, let's see now, Dwight, you are an animal communicator. Do you encounter animals, pets, or other types of wild animals even when you're doing this work that want to talk? Yeah, on occasion we do. Um, you know, Ron and I, you know, we run into it all the time. Um, now, during uh, there's a chapter in the book Adamsville um, where we went to a, a cemetery that's located in Adamsville. It's an older cemetery. Um, we were just kind of walking through trying to get the feel of the place. And before we even got to this one area, I said, you know, I, I'm really kind of picking up an animal presence here. So I kind of left it. And we walked a little further, and there's a grave of a, a dog. And I was like, oh. wow, that's that's interesting. So I actually got down on my hands and knees and put my hand on the grave and um, was actually able to connect with this, with this dog. Um, I knew what kind of a dog it was. I knew how it died. Um, it was happy where it was at. And, you know, he said his owner comes by every once in a while and cleans up his grave, so he's happy that, 
you know, basically daddy's coming back to, to talk to him. Cause I guess this guy talks to the dog every time he comes there. So yeah, on occasion we do, um, you know, it's, it's kind of an interesting thing when you go to a ghost town, you're expecting to talk to people and all of a sudden, you know, here's this dog in front of you <laughs> saying, you know, right. Hey, look at me. Um, yeah. and it's, it's, it's interesting and you kind of get a different perspective from the animal or the dog's point of view. Um, so that does help a lot, uh, you know, kind of clear up, you know, some of the things in that area. Now, being a, an, an animal psychic, the way you are, people have been texting me. They also want to know, when you're out and you're doing your, your work, do you also encounter wild animals that you talk to about the area that maybe are alive? Mountain, I need a lot of a lot of wild things out there. You've got mountain lions, you've got snakes, you've got coyotes. Um, have you ever talked to any of them about specific areas where you're investigating? Um, you know, I've run into it on occasion. Um, it's just a lot of times being wild animals, they do, um, uh, of course, have a natural fear of humans, so they don't like to stick around. Um, so I don't mm-hmm. get a lot of time um, now, I can tell you, and I know this is going to probably sound strange to some of your listeners, but um, during an event we had here one time, uh, we took like 35 people out to the old Clanton Ranch, and myself and Dan, I think one other person, I said, let's go up the hill first and make sure there's no rattlesnakes, because it was towards the end of May, and sure enough, there was one there, so we kept everybody back, but I was actually, for the first time, I was actually able to connect with this snake this rattlesnake, and he calmed down, he he stopped rattling, and I got extremely close to him. In fact, Dan got some pictures of it, and I was telling him, hey, look, we got a group here, you know, please, you know, we're not going to mean any harm, and he basically was telling me, you know, I don't mean you guys any harm, but don't get any closer, you know, that kind of a thing. Um, So that was really interesting for me, because I had never, you know, attempted to really talk to a, a rattlesnake before, but uh, I was actually able to connect. So Dwight, Dwight, don't get any closer. Well, wait, I'm talking to it. <laughs> Let me crawl right under the tree. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was kind of there was kind of an interesting <laughs> dynamic there, but because yeah, I kept getting closer and I kept hearing, ah, uh, um, you're getting too close. I know what I'm doing. Hush, you know. And, um, so yeah, yeah, wild animals are kind of a, a different thing. Um, they don't, yeah, we have wild animals that come into our backyard that I communicate with. And, um, we got a coyote here that I know has at least one pup that she takes care of. So we call her mama. Um, she comes by every once in a while. And I, if I can get a chance, I connect with her and, um, it's, it's an interesting, very visceral, different feeling talking to a wild animal than it is talking to a pet. I love all animals, and I welcome any opportunity to uh, connect and communicate with any of them. It's a wonderful gift that you have. Yeah, it really is. And I know that our audience loves animals and loves hearing about communicating with them. And I've heard from other animal psychics that, yes, it's true that wild animals have a very different language than our pets. So you really have to tune in differently, I guess. Uh, when you speak with them, we had a beautiful fox up here, and I, I saw him from a distance, and I, I said to him, I just love you. You're so beautiful. Well, the next thing I knew, he was sleeping on our retaining wall. I mean, he just came <laughs> right up to the house. And, you know, but the thing was, he felt safe, I guess, and, and he was beautiful, and he never bothered 
me or my dogs. It's just like we just appreciated each other. So uh, it, it was a very interesting experience. I have pictures of him sleeping right up against the house, and uh, it's he was he is remarkable. And of course, we're very grateful because he eats all the chipmunks that destroy the retaining wall. So. <laughs> You know, it's a wonderful relationship having him up here. But it's great. It's great to see that. And, my God, I am so in awe of you, Dwight, that you were able to talk to a rattlesnake. I think that is just incredible. Good for you for having the (laughs) courage. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I want to thank you, too, for talking out loud to that fox. I I try to tell people because everybody says, you know, God, I wish I had your gift. Well, you know, if you just talk out loud in a very low voice, very calming voice, a lot of times they can understand you. So I thank you for actually talking to that fox because obviously he did understand what your intentions were, and that's why he feels safe there now. And I think if we all did that to animals, I think they might actually be a little more, um, you know, friendly and, and giving to us. Um, instead of us yelling at them or hunting them or whatever, just talk mm-hmm. to them. And exactly. they can pick up on what you're trying to say. They can pick, if they don't know your words, they know your feeling, they know your emotion. And, you know, that's more important. That speaks more volumes than words in a lot of ways. Well, that's a very good point. And I think you're absolutely right. They feel our feelings. They know. And I think that's one of the attributes they have that does keep them safe because they can feel when there's a hunter in the area, they can feel <clears throat> when someone means them harm. So, yeah, I agree with you. I think it's really important to express that love and know that they're safe in certain areas. So, yeah, it, you and know, I also have a healthy respect for them because they are wild mm-hmm. and territorial. So. <laughs> right. yep. It's funny that uh, Dwight and I had a smudging uh, call the other day, and we went over to this client's house and, and – this our client had a dog um it was like a labradoodle sort of um puppy and Mm -hmm. so we weren't there for dwight to talk to the dog but that's not one of my strong points is animal communication so uh, i've been trying to practice um and so dwight's doing his thing smudging the house and i'm the, the animal the dog was you know kind of coming up to me and smelling me and very, I kept telling him how beautiful he was, what a handsome boy he was. And then at, at the end of the, the time we were there, I was trying to connect with him, trying to send him telepathically my feelings towards him. And all of a sudden, he started to kind of snarl at me. <laughs> and she's like, what's, what's going on? And Dwight's like, oh, don't worry about it. He doesn't like her being in his head. <laughs> So I was connecting. He was connecting with me too, but I was, I'm so new to that, that I was very Mm -hmm. sort of blunt and forceful and I didn't like ease my way in like Dwight does. And so he was like, what are you doing in my head? (laughs) Oh my goodness. He didn't like it. Oh, that's so interesting. You know, this is really important information. It really is. Yeah, so, but the the key point, I mean, he just made my day because I knew I'd connected. Yes, I was so excited. Um, so anybody can so. do it. You just have to really practice with your animal or whoever that animal is. You just have to really practice at sending telepathic messages and being open to them sending it back to you. Exactly, well, exactly. 
in the backyard here, and the animals come up. They only come up to the large tree in the middle of the backyard. And one night we were having dinner, and all of a sudden I looked at the carpeting right outside the sliding glass door, and there stood a bobcat looking at me as we're having dinner. It's kind of like, oh, you're eating now? And just kept on walking, and I went, oh, my God. <laughs> wow, that's awesome. Yeah. They're beautiful bobcats. They really. Oh, is somebody yeah, oh, have a cat? Are. Because I keep hearing I keep hearing a cat. She, you know, you have a cat. Children and yes, we do. Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. I, I, that's a, no, no, that's fine. We love it. Yeah, there are three cats up here too. Yeah, we oh, get on the okay. phone and she has to talk. So. Oh, that's fine. Well, that's nice. Give her a hug from us, as we love having <laughs> animals. Yeah. No problem. I just wanted to make sure they were alive. That's all. <laughs> we <always have> to... <laughs> she doesn't trust it. <laughs> I'm curious. What about yeah, I'll give my cat thing? Saber Fang a hug for you. Oh, yeah, oh, thank you. Thank you. In the book you were talking about Uncle Simon and the Civil War, I found that fascinating that how he came about with his actions with his feelings about everything that took place. Out of curiosity, uh, when you asked him there, uh, did he see his own funeral or had he come to his own funeral? Quite unique man. Can you tell us about that? Oh, you guys take it. You're closer. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, Uncle Simon... Tell tell them about uh, the headstone, too. Yeah, I will. Uh, Uncle Simon was, uh, he was, I guess, a Buffalo soldier, um, he served in the military for more than 30 years, um, came out to Arizona, owned, bought a, a plot of land. He owned actually quite a large acreage, I believe. He was one of very few um, African-American men in Cortland at that time. Right. Um, but And he was a very, very tall man, um, very well-respected and very well-liked. Um, I think more people came out to his funeral than any other funeral in that town. And during like 1919, in the early 1900s, there was a lot of deaths, I think, from pneumonia, a lot of viruses that were going around. But Uncle Simon was very well loved and very well respected. So um, the cemetery sits way back off the road. I didn't even know it was there until a friend of ours asked us to join her. Mm-hmm. Uh, one time, and so it was very overrun. Um, it, uh, headstones were broken, and cattle runs through there quite often. So they had stepped on um, broken others. So our friend found found several uh, military, but she couldn't really make out others. But Uncle Simon, she could make out. So mm-hmm. she ordered him um, from the v- VA. She ordered him a new new headstone. Mm-hmm. So that that took some doing, but she got it. She contacted the BLM and organized a big party, and everybody went out and um, did fencing around the whole cemetery, cleaned it all up, um, put signage, um, really fixed it up nicely. So we went out there to do um, our investigation, and we're able to contact Uncle Simon. And we also, I think... Um, sort of talked to with somebody that we talked to in our first book who we crossed over at the Cortland jail. He showed up, mm-hmm. but very, very interesting um, conversation that location was. 
it's amazing that uh, you could keep it come through as he did. It was almost like he was waiting for you to get there. He, he might have been waiting to talk to somebody who was willing to listen to his story. He was, he was such yeah. a great man. In fact, we had a um, ceremony just a few months ago um, with the the, organi- the lady who got the headstone and all that. And we had several people come out to speak, somebody from the BLM. And, in fact, we had a um, sergeant, sergeant major. a sergeant major from Fort Huachuca who is a Buffalo soldier, come out, and he talked about Uncle Simon. So it really brought it full circle, and I know that Uncle Simon was really appreciative that we took the time to do that. Oh, I bet so. I bet so. Well, well, he was part of the original Buffalo Soldiers. Yes, yes. Uncle Simon was, yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's quite a story in itself, the Buffalo Soldiers. Yes, it is. Now, you guys are all, I know, very involved with the historical aspects of the Old Southwest, but you also do uh, do other things. I mean, you, you are each psychics, and I know, Dan, uh, let's start with you, because you've been involved with finding missing people, and, and that's a, a really wonderful, wonderful thing that you do. So tell, tell our audience a little bit more about that and how you use the pendulum to locate people, uh, you are considered an expert with this, and I know our audience wants to hear from you about that. Okay, yeah, I uh, I don't know if I'm an expert or not. I've been doing it a while. I've written a couple of books about it. Uh, basically, with the pendulum, it's a rock on the string. It's a, it's the same process that you see uh, on TV a lot with the old guy out with the witching stick, the Y-shaped uh, willow stick looking for water. I think everybody's right. pretty familiar with that. It's the same process, except I use a rock on a string. And uh, oversimplifying a bit, but if you, you ask a question and if the rock swings to the right, that's a yes. If it swings to the left, uh, that's a no. And through a process of elimination, you can, uh, you'll find missing persons. And basically, it, uh, again, it's a process of elimination. You know, is the person in Arizona, yes or no? You get a yes. Well, is a person in northern Arizona? You get a uh, you get a no. Then you is he in southern Arizona? Yes. Is he east of uh, I-17? Yes or no? Is he south of uh, Highway 60? Eventually, you you can take an area from the size of basically the Earth down to uh, you know square foot. Now, do you use Amazing. a map when you do this? I use a map. Normally, I start out with. Uh, a series of questions. One, you know, is this a case I should be working on, yes or no? Is this person physically alive? Am I looking for a, a living person or am I looking for, you know, someone who is deceased? Is the person stationary? Is the person on the run? And uh, I can use a map. I can also ask just specific questions, you know, is is the missing person in Phoenix? Is the person uh, in North Phoenix and so on? Then you can get down to a building. Is the person on uh, 1234 Street or 12345 Street? Uh, is the person on the second floor? Is the person in the apartment uh, 2B? That's no, very specific. Teach, yeah, that's how, basically that's out. how this whole thing got started. Rhonda and I worked mm-hmm. a lot of cases together several years ago. Uh, we shared cases. And we kind of became friends on uh, you know, by, by telephone and by email. And one day they we discovered we had a, an interest in the Old West, mm-hmm. and they invited me down there to tour some ghost towns. And at one point, you know, the light bulb kind of went off. I had one of those duh moments. 
And I said, well, <laughs> we try to combine all of our, our skills and see if we can make contact. And that was the uh, uh, the first time we did it was at that Cortland jail, and uh, it worked. And that's kind of what started it all, the whole thing off. Oh, my. That's amazing. Now, yeah, how so the missing persons people... led to the, 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 uh, the ghost books, really. Yeah, you found the other missing people from the Southwest that had died. Now, what about if somebody has a missing person, a friend or a relative, uh, how can they get a hold of you? Uh, generally, I, I only take cases that are referred to by uh, a police authority, so they can get, get to me through the police or the FBI or uh, the Forest Service or, or whatever organization is working the case. Mm-hmm. So they can request your help through them? Yes, but I, I don't yeah. do a direct phone calls for, for a number of reasons. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's inundated. With sure. It, it wasn't inundated, yeah. and two, I don't want to end up stepping on the police's. I don't want to step on their feet. Yeah, I, yeah, exactly. I want to work with okay. them, you not, think not about against that them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. Well, thank you. As, as the three of you are, does she join you in this? Say again. I said, mentioned you mentioned it, right? And at what time is she interested in working with all this with uh, Rhonda and Dwight and you? Oh, my wife. Uh huh. Oh no, she is very forgiving. She has a psychic ability herself, but she is uh, mm-hmm. doing other things right now. But uh, I will say, I have, a, I am blessed to have a wife who, uh, when I say, "Well, I'll be gone for a couple of days. I'm going out in the desert looking for a dead person." Okay. <laughs> well, the main thing oh, is that she's understanding. I didn't know if she was involved with it with you or not, but she, she is. A, she is a, a, a key supporter of the team, but she's not actually in, actively involved in the investigations. Well, nothing like having okay. good moral support at all. <laughs> yeah, that's important. That really is really. Now, um, Dwight, we know that you do animal communication, so people can contact you if they want you to contact their animal, right? Is that something that you offer as like a session for people? Yeah, I, I do. Um, you know, they can contact me through the website, which is uh, Believe Paranormal, B-E-E-L-I-E-V-E, paranormal.com. Um, we're also on Facebook. Uh, they can contact me through there as well. Um, you know, and speaking of that, you know, I, I don't know what's going on in the universe here lately, but boy, the energy has really shifted or something. Cause you know, Ron and I have been working animal cases probably the last couple, three weeks. We've just been inundated bam, lately, bam, bam. just mm-hmm. one after another, which is, I, I love it because I'm able to help, you know, either bam. grieving, you know, humans over their lost animals. Uh, we have a, a a case Saturday, we have to go over to somebody's house that the animal is grieving over the loss of another another animal. And later that night, we have to go talk to a, an animal that uh, was just diagnosed with, with cancer. So the owner wants me to come over and kind of talk with her. Um, yeah, so it's, it's just a, 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 I don't know what's going on in the universe, but, you know, I'm thankful for it. I'm very blessed to have people contact me about, you know, doing it. And yes, they can contact me at any time on the website or on Facebook. Um, I do not charge for my service. I want to make that very clear. I don't, I never charge for my service. It's a uh, promise I made to my grandmother who also had the gift and realized it in me very early in life. So she mentored me 
And not too long before she passed, she told me, she said, Dwight, you have to promise me that you're going to use your gift to help people not make money. And I said, yes, wow. ma'am, I, I, will do, I will do that. So that's, that's what I have carried fabulous. on. And I never charge people for it. Um, and we have driven hundreds of miles to do this uh, for people. And I don't ask for a penny because uh, my and Rhonda's big joy to get out of it is to help the people and the animal. That's that's what it's all about. That's that's how everybody you might be and all three of you. Yeah. Oh, he might be goodness. a little backed up right now, so if you do email him, just let <laughs> let you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. You know, it's interesting, Dwight, because you did mention that you feel something has shifted, and I think something has. I just heard the strangest story uh, the other day. It was in the news. I don't know if you all heard it as well. But these monkeys built a ladder to escape their enclosure, and they got out. <laughs> yes, yes, uh, yeah, you I did heard hear about, about that. that. It, it, and, that's a wild thing. And, and then they came back because they realized they weren't supposed to leave, and probably right. that's where their food <laughs> was, right? Uh, that was right, their restaurant. Yeah. But I mean, the fact that they built a ladder together. That they fought the street again. I mean, this is just remarkable. I think animals are smarter than us, anyways. But oh, when it comes oh, to absolutely. things like like this, I mean, this is just just unbelievable. And I think something is shifting and something is opening, even for animals to be able to do these types of things. Yeah, absolutely. And you and you're exactly right. You know, animals are a lot smarter than what humans give them credit for. Um, yeah, Dr. Doolittle, uh, one of my favorite movies in the world, obviously, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, why do we treat animals like animals? Because they're a lot smarter than we are. I can tell you that. Um, oh, they yeah, are. These monkeys, these monkeys, and I was kind of torn. I was cheering for them, you know, kind of, because it's <laughs> yeah. like, yay, you know, you guys are, you know, you made, the, but then after they got out, I thought, oh, now they're going to get injured or hurt because they did get out. So please, right. you know, I'm talking, yeah. you know, in my head, I'm thinking, God, I hope they get back. And they did. They came back because they're yeah. smart. They know where the restaurant is. So, you know, <laughs> right. you know, animals of all kinds are incredibly intelligent when we just have to remember that when we talk to them. That's so true. That's so true. Everybody needs to know that and respect them. That is the, the absolute goal here with all of the work that you do. I'm sure you are imparting that wisdom to people, and that's great work, great work. Now, Rhonda, mm-hmm. tell us about you because you're you're an incredible psychic. You picked up on something today and contacted me, and you were right on the money. You're also a healer as well as a psychic medium. So tell us what you do. I am, um, well, psychic medium, so pretty much all of the Claire's mediumship, um, psychometry, um, media or medical intuitive, healer. Um, you know, I started at a very young age, sort of developing very slowly over the years. Um, everybody is gifted. It's just a matter of recognizing it and um, learning about it and, and practicing your gift. Um, so I have, I do readings for people. Um, oftentimes Dwight and I will go to a, a pet reading and I will pick up something that is humanistic, uh, to the animal and he will work with the animal to pick up something from the other perspective. So 
I do a lot of free work, free readings on my Facebook. I do a lot of private readings for free, um, although sometimes I do charge. But uh, it's really kind of case by case. Um, I never charge when I'm contacted um, for missing person cases or if somebody has just lost, uh, you recently lost a loved one, um, I typically never charge for that kind of work. You know, just contact me and we'll try to get you in touch with whoever you've just lost. Um, but my joy really comes from helping people, spreading awareness, awakening people. That's where I just, I love it. That's, that's, that's the real joy in life. That sounds wonderful. Well, you said you have a Facebook page. Is that what it is for, to contact? I do. Rhonda Hole Psychic Medium. So that's my public page. Um, I do readings every Wednesday, sometimes twice a week, usually just, just on Wednesdays. Um, they can also contact me through the website. My email is on there. Um, you know. Feel free to reach mm-hmm. out to me, um, post, uh, you know, post something when I do uh, my readings. and That's nice to know that, that people can care like you do, like all three of you do, to help other people as well as the animals. I think it's fabulous. Yeah, and it sounds to me like when, when you go out investigating, that because you're all three so open-hearted, that the the people the spirits are drawn to you to tell their truth and you don't have to worry about them being nasty because it doesn't sound like you've had really any negative experiences have you absolutely i i, uh, I think one of the reasons we get such a, a good response and one of the reasons we get such lengthy responses is just our attitude and that that's something i picked mm-hmm. up from uh, Dwight and Rhonda right off the bat is you know when you're going into a haunted house you're going into somebody's house or their place of business, mm-hmm. and you should act that way, courtesy and respect. And I think that's reciprocated. Right. Mhm. It is. Yeah, because it's I all about. It's all. I'm sorry. It's all about no, intention. No, no. You know, you're, it's all about your yeah, intention, it is. and spirit, spirits know that. I think that's now, fabulous that <laughs> they can pick up it everything. Is. Now, there are people who do this kind of work, but they do encounter things that are not so friendly. There are uh, demons out there. There are interdimensionals who like to uh, be nasty. But you haven't had any of that. No, not really. Um, like I say, we've we've come across, you know, angry. We've come across mad. We've come across unpleasant. Um, you know, uh, you wouldn't want the spirit of Charles Manson in your house. I mean, that kind of no. thing. Uh, you know, yeah. Thank you. Um, you know, I, I, I've been doing this for gosh, 34, 35 years, been all over the world. I can honestly say without any reservation, I have never run into anything that I would consider demonic. I'm sure it's out there. I have no doubt about that, but I have never run into it. And I think a lot of that like Dan said, is our intention and how we go in. Mm-hmm. I treat, I treat, we all three of us, we treat the spirits with respect. And I think whatever you put out, you get back. We don't go in kicking doors and angry because, you know, spirits know your intention. They can feel your, your energy. You know, so if you go in angry and start kicking chairs and demanding and mm-hmm. provoking, you know, you're going to get that back. Um, and you know, in most you're cases, so you're right. Not, 
yeah, and you're not going to get a lot of answers. All you're going to get is hate and anger. That's not what we're out there for. We know ghosts exist. We don't need proof of that. We want to talk to them and get their story. And the only way to do that is to, you know, show respect. And they, for the most part, you know, they, they do the same for us. Now, we've, we've gotten some spirits that just didn't want to talk. And we respect that, too. We're saying, okay, we, we respect that, and we're, we'll be on our way. Thank you for having us. So, you know, for everybody out there listening, um, you know, and I'm not going to say anything bad about the shows on TV. All I'm saying is don't watch the shows like it's an instruction manual. Treat <laughs> Good advice. Spirit, uh-huh. Yeah, treat, treat the spirits with respect, because if you really want to communicate, you really have to show respect and, uh, you know, like, you know, Dan has said a number of times, we go in like we're having a cup of coffee. You know, we sit down mm-hmm. and a lot of times, to be honest with you, a lot of times we have a cup of coffee. <laughs> Literally, <laughs> we just sit down and in the middle of the desert and there we are. But, uh, yeah, just treat them with respect. Uh, and I, I think that's the key to any kind of investigating, you know, psychically or with a pendulum or with any kind of tool. Use respect. You'll, you'll get a lot more out of it. That is great advice. Yeah, it, it's this is really good that you're saying this to our audience. I know our audience is, I think, one of the smartest and best in, in radio, and I know that they appreciate hearing that from you. And a case in point, the other day I was watching something that happened to a young couple. They went to Mount Pleasant, for, uh, West Virginia, where you know Mothman had been sighted before the collapse mm-hmm. of the Silver Bridge. And since then, also, uh, Mothman has been cited. But but they did exactly the opposite of what you're talking about. They went Mm -hmm. to where they were told Mothman was, and they provoked the crap out of them. They, you know, they said, is anybody here? And, you know, brought their recorder. And the voice, when they played it back, when they got home, it said, I am here. But guess what? You know, because they were so provocative and disrespectful, Mothman followed them home, and they ended up yep. with these huge handprints from Mothman on their walls and dishes breaking and all kinds oh of, my of <laughs> yeah, poltergeist uh, things that were happening. The phone would ring, and uh, nothing would be there, or there would be this deep guttural you know, sound on the other side. Mm-hmm. They had one thing after another. They ended up leaving, moving away from that house, and it followed them. So, yes, word of caution, you know, you guys are right. Don't do that. I mean, don't provoke. I mean, whether you think Mothman is real or not, (laughs) obviously this couple found out the hard way that it's not a good thing to fool around with. Be respectful. They went into Mothman territory and did everything wrong, and they paid the price. They say they still are paying the price. They can't seem to uh, to come to terms with, with what's going on. I don't think they've learned their lesson yet about being respectful. I really don't. Scary. Yeah, that, that's, un- yeah. that's unfortunate. That's very unfortunate, and that's what happens. You know, you don't want to poke the dog. That's I keep telling people <laughs> that. You know, don't, exactly. don't poke the dog. <laughs> right. You know, so. Yes. Exactly, exactly. Now, um, I know we, we only have about uh, five or so minutes left, but tell us about this Clanton Ranch. What, what's, what's that about, this haunted place? 
the, the Clanton Ranch is it's an amazing little place. There's not much left of it now, unfortunately, between you know vandals and you know just weather. Um, but you know the wall, the partial wall is still there. That's where the Clantons were. That's where they lived. Uh, old man Clanton, the father, uh, who was uh, kind of the patriarch of uh, the family. I mean, Ike and Billy all lived there. And, uh, you know, it was kind of cowboy headquarters. You know, Curly Bill would go out there. John Ringo would go out there. The McLaurys would go out there. So it was kind of a, not only just a house, but it was kind of their clubhouse as well. So um, just, in a, just an amazing place, way out in the middle of nowhere, literally. Um, uh, boy, we've been out there so many times, and it's we've always got a nice welcoming feel every time we've gone out. Um, we brought Dan out there several times and, you know, it's always been a great experience. Uh, Dan's always got a lot of good, you know, hits on the pendulum. We get a good, you know, lack of a better term, warm, fuzzy feeling when we go out there because they're just so welcoming. Um, really kind of turned our heads as far as our opinions, you know, from Hollywood, like we said earlier in the show, uh, where, you know, they're just bad, you know, bloodthirsty cutthroat people, but you know what? They're really not. Uh, we enjoy going out there. We almost consider them a family, a family you know, like long lost uncles mm. and, you know, such <laughs> when we go out there. Um, we've gotten some amazing EVPs, electronic voice phenomenon recordings uh, out there from what we believe for sure is Mr. Clanton. Um, always given, you know, a very, Recognizing yeah, us. recognizing us and uh, mm-hmm. you know, welcoming us. So, yeah, we love the Clanton Ranch. It's uh, about six or eight miles uh, from Tombstone. Like I say, kind of out in the middle of the desert. Um, but it's it's a great place to go. Um, it's close to where Ron and I live now. So, you know, if we're just bored one day, we just say, well, let's go out and visit Uncle Clanton's. <laughs> so we'll just you know, go out there and yeah, and go out there and we'll sit down and literally again have coffee and just talk to them. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we don't even record; we just go out there and talk to them, just like you know, they're our uncles or or whatnot. And uh, that's neat. Yeah, yeah. I love it. Isn't yeah. that wonderful? Now. Your EVPs, some of them people can actually hear on your website. I was listening to them today. And t- give us an example of some of the EVPs that you have received that are pretty startling. Well, one of the, the EVPs is from the Clanton Ranch. Um, and, again, they can go to the website, go to our book page, and there is, uh, you can click on each book, and it will take you to um, the place where you can hear the EVPs for that book. But, um so one of the EVPs is from the Clanton Ranch. It's uh, Dwight and I had gotten lost. It was our first time there, and we had walked several miles. Um, when we finally arrived, we were really tired. We were cut up from mesquite brush, which has thorns like rose thorns on them, mm-hmm. um, and it was very thick. Okay, so we were getting we were all bloody and tired and sweaty. And so I'm calling out just the names, you know, Clanton's, uh, whoever, John Ringo, and and a very clear voice, you know, sounded like he's right there with me, says, over here, long way, really bad brush sting. Uh, so brush sting was a term that in the 1800s, apparently, from being cut up by the mesquite. We did not know oh, that. Oh, my goodness. To Google it. Oh, um, oh my goodness. So. Yeah, I mean, he was, you rarely get EVPs that are like a sentence. Uh, usually it's one or two words. So that was really, you know, a wow moment for us. And he, we've gotten the same voice. 
um, time after time. So probably Mr. Clanton. You know, we've gotten a voice of uh, who we believe Maddie Earp at the Buford House, the most haunted house in Tombstone. Last year at our event, uh, we were investigating, talking to one of the ghost children of the house. And uh, Maddie gave me her signal that she was there, but I, I didn't pay attention to it. I was mm-hmm. focused on talking to the two-year-old ghost child. And uh, after we got done and we took a break, um, one of my friends pointed out to me that, hey, you're, you, she did your phone. Maddie's here. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, my God, that's right. <laughs> that's oh right. Uh, so the next day, one of our other friends um, came over to our – actually came to the book signing that we were doing and played the EVP that she caught right as my phone lit up twice. That's our signal from Maddie to turn on my camera twice. Um, the EVP right after that happened is a woman yelling my name, You're whispering, but yelling. Uh-huh. So we've gotten some really, really good, clear EVPs. Oh, how wonderful. Yes, I'd say. Yeah. It's so exciting. Well, all three of you make the most fantastic team, and we're so grateful that you joined us on the show tonight with your new book. And again, we're going to tell everybody the name of it. You can get it on Amazon, Conversations with Spirits of the Southwest, More Adventures Mm -hmm. into the Paranormal. It is by Dan Baldwin, Rhonda Hull, and Dwight Hull. And please keep us posted on your incredible adventures. We'd love to have you back. And I hope you do get to talk to Geronimo. Tell him I said hello when you can, when you can nail him down. <laughs> we will. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, we'll be back next week, everybody, with another exciting show. And until then, we'll see you on the Blue Highway. Good night, everyone. Good night. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week for another radio adventure with Supernatural Girl. Thanks, guys. That was a great show. Thanks for having us. That was a lot of fun. I thought that went well. Thank you, guys. Hey, it's our pleasure. We really enjoyed having you on as as our guests, really. It's wonderful. So please do keep us posted. I want to know about Geronimo. I'm not kidding. (laughs) We will. We will. We will will for sure. All right. Well, you be safe. Take care. Thanks, guys. Have a good night. Good night.